Good morning and welcome. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. Would you turn in your Bible to Psalm chapter 23? Maybe you have your app. Open it up to Psalm chapter 23. That's going to be our psalm today. Uh, If you're new to us, thank you for being with us today. We've been in a series throughout the summer just going through various psalms, and today we're on one of the most widely known psalms in the world. But I really want to encourage us as a church to actually maybe take some time devotionally this next week to read three psalms together. That would be Psalm 22, uh, the psalm that we are in today, chapter 23, and Psalm 24, to read all three of those together and, and understand how they build on one another in this way. Psalm 22 points us to the good shepherd dying for his own sheep. Psalm 23, the psalm that we're in today, shows us how the great shepherd cares for his sheep. And Psalm 24 shows us how the chief shepherd is coming again for his sheep. I think there's something wonderful for us in terms of our own care for our soul what, uh, as we read these three psalms together that I think that you'll benefit from. In his work, The Doctrine of God, Herman Bavnik lists various ways that God is described throughout the Bible. He acknowledges that he's compared to a lion, an eagle, a lamb, the sun, a light, a fire, a fountain, a rock, a hiding place, a tower, and a shield. The Bible also gives more personal and intimate pictures and images to help us understand and comprehend our incomprehensible God. He's called a bridegroom, a husband, a judge, a king, a man of war, a builder, a maker, a physician, and of course, a father. How many ways we've been given to understand who God is, and yet we're going to look at another image that's been given to us today a shepherd. More specifically, and this is a sovereign shepherd. This is a king who is a shepherd. In each one of the Psalms that I mentioned before, chapters 22 through 24, uh, it has the Lord Jesus Christ in view. It's something that the Bible is pointing us to is the Jesus Christ who will come. And yet we know, standing on this side of, of history where the psalmist was, We stand on this side and we're looking back at the history and seeing that the Lord has already provided in Jesus Christ. And so we find ourselves in this period of waiting for when he will come again. The Bible describes the Lord Jesus as a shepherd three times. It says in John 10, 11 that he is the good shepherd who gives his life for his sheep. Hebrews 13, 20 says that he is the great shepherd of the sheep who shed his blood to inaugurate and to ratify this new and eternal covenant. 1 Peter 5, 4 says that he is the chief shepherd who provides for his faithful servants the crown of glory that does not fade away. There's something significant for us today as we're considering this passage and considering how it is that the Lord is our shepherd. I grew up in... A wonderful age where I got to hear Casey Kasem counting down the number one hits. Now, it was on the waning years of his career, and I'll be honest with you, most of the time it was while I was on my way to rehearsal at church to play in the band. So I would always, depending on how early or late I was that Sunday, often late, I would only hear a portion of the countdown. But I can remember the, the golden tones of Casey Kasem's voice counting, counting it down. And then he would say, and here this one is with a bullet. Anybody remember that phrase? 
with a bullet. What did that mean? Well, on, on the Billboard Top 100, any song that was rising rapidly to the place that it was at, it was number one with a bullet. It got there quickly. It rose overnight. Psalm 23 has been like the psalm, the number one psalm with a bullet for decades. It's, it's held this unique place in, in American history, in, in church history, uh, throughout the world that it's one of the most familiar psalms that we can come to. So no pressure in, pe- in preaching this passage today at all. Volumes have been written on this one psalm alone because it captures so much of the heart of God for his people. It captures so much of his character towards us as his creation. And it captures so much of what he wants to provide for us if only we would turn to him. You know, in the last few weeks, I've, I've noticed a theme that's been coming out of our messages, this theme of trusting in the Lord. And I wonder when we're looking at a psalm like this, this number one with a bullet, how often do we actually make use of this psalm to care for our own soul? Do we know it in our head and yet it never seeps quite down into our life? Do we know it in our head and yet we never actually apply it to the circumstances that we're walking through? Do we not even know it in our head? Do we not even have these truths that we can carry them with us to help carry us throughout the day in those moments where our soul feels faint and Scripture so richly provides for us and we don't even know what is there that we could draw from for nourishment? I think about some of the highlighted areas where we need to trust in the Lord when, when things that have been highlighted throughout this series in finances and provision. Salvation, maybe health, mental health, relationships. I mean, the list can just go on and on. And here's the truth of where we're at, church, and, and maybe even just a confession on my own part. I want to grow in how I can communicate on these things, how I can better communicate in these areas where we need to make ourselves available and willing vessels for the Lord to fill us, to fill me. How it is that I can better communicate what it is that's going on and and what it looks like to live with a desperate need for a God who so richly provides. It almost seems like an oxymoron to say it in that way, doesn't it? Wait a minute, you're, you're saying that you're desperate, but he so richly provides. Yeah, that's actually where we're going to start out today in this psalm. See, I want to grow in communicating on those things. I'd actually love to see us all grow in this local church in communicating on these things. I think about it this way, that the things that we're walking through in this life, where we are being challenged to trust in the Lord, are they leading us to a greater dependency on Him? And if they are, they are a gift to us. Those circumstances that we're walking through that, that you may be tempted in specific ways and yet not giving into sin, in, in those ways that can actually be a gift to you if you are learning to more fully lean on Jesus' name. But in those things that we're walking through life, if it's revealing that our trust has been put in something else, that is also a gift because we can repent and turn away. We can repent for the things that we put our trust in. God so richly provides for us to be able to do that. So church, I I want us to grow in how we communicate on those things. I I want to grow in how I can be there as a friend, how I can confess that I need help in time of need, how I can be there as a friend. Perhaps if I'm not the one walking through something, 
that I'm the one that can walk through something with someone else. Maybe that's what God's heart is for us as he provides so richly those seated around us today. Together in the church, what it looks like to be brothers and sisters sharing our deep need and how it is that we're going to be there for one another in response. See, this is what I mean by soul care. This is what I mean by the, script, the way that Scripture provides soul care for us, where it's actually counseling us in a very specific way. So before we begin in Psalm 23, verse 1, perhaps I can pray to that end for all of us today. Holy Spirit, help us today to feed on your love, your grace, and your truth. Seeing how that does not leave us in any want, help us to know how you are always with us. And someday you will lead us to our true home we've been looking for all of our lives. Holy Spirit, help us today to rest in that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's read together Psalm 23, verses one through three. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, perhaps we can summarize this this section of Psalm 23 just in one word. Provision. The Lord provides for his sheep. He provides for you and for me so richly. What does he provide? Well, he provides nourishment. You notice that as we're looking at this passage, it's something quite personal. The Lord is my shepherd. He's not just a shepherd. He's not just this generalized person or being out there. No, it's personal. He is my shepherd. He is leading me and he is leading you. He is available to us today. For those who believe, this is all in the present tense. It's not something that you have to wait for. Even now we are under the perfect pastoral care of Jesus Christ. He provides nourishments for us. Some of translations may read this way, I shall not want. Others, I have no need. I lack for nothing. Others still, I have what I need. Notice here that there is this distinction that we have to draw, that there is a difference in what we need and what we want. I can remember growing up, there were times where the the only newspaper that we would get was the Sunday paper. I thought about stopping to get one, but I'm so out of practice, I completely forgot to even just run by Wawa and grab one on the way in today. Why would I bring that up? Well, that's the day that the sale papers were out. It's the day that you could see how inexpensive what you didn't know you needed is. I think you're tracking with me. There's a difference in needs and wants, aren't there? There are the things that we just want. We didn't even know we wanted until we saw it, and now I want that. Isn't it so present in our hearts? Not all that I wish for, but I shall not be in want. Let's never confuse the discontentment from our hearts with a lack of nourishment from our Savior. Verse 2 describes the nourishment that he gives in rest as well. He doesn't just provide for what we need. He gives us rest as well. He lets me lie down and grieve pasture. He leads me beside still waters. 
You know, this is where we see something of ownership of the shepherd, of the great shepherd here, this sovereign shepherd. There is an ownership to this. He he has taken possession of these sheep, and there is a care for them that goes beyond just the basic things being taken care of. I don't know if this is a helpful illustration or not. Sometimes I think about it in this way. Have you ever had a, a section of the house that is like your responsibility, and you just realize, you know what? You can always tell when dad did the yard because it just has that special touch. You can always tell when, when, when so-and-so did the vacuuming because like the, the carpet lines are just right. I'm in love with carpet lines, y'all. It's, it's, it's a thing for me, right? You can always tell when, when maybe the parents did the kitchen and not the kids because it's done correctly, <laughs> right? There's a difference. There's a difference in in just taking care of responsibilities just to get them done and ownership of that responsibility, isn't there? Well, that's what this is pointing to. This is pointing to the ownership of the good shepherd and his responsibility for his sheep. He is making sure that he has the sheep's welfare at first and foremost in his mind. He's going to see to it that they have what they need for life, including nourishment and rest. He's not just going to drive them from this thing to that. He's not just going to keep trying to get out of them what he needs to extract for them for his own good. He's not treating them as maybe one of his employees would. No, he has ownership of them. This is what Jesus does for you and for me. He will feed us and he will satisfy us. He's going to satisfy our hunger because he is, as John 6.35 says, he is the bread of life. As John 4.14 and 7.38 say, he will quench our thirst because he is the living water. That's what it means for us to have the nourishment of a good shepherd and his rest. Not just nourishment, but rest as well. Verse 2 points us to the rest that he provides to us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He made me lie down this week. Wednesday night I had done the yard. We had some family over and I told my wife, I said, I'm, just, I'm struggling to recover from this. Now, I just assume it's heat and age and a, and a wonderful increasing combination of the two. Okay, thank you. Yep, Danny Jones, everyone. I know that voice. <laughs> he made me lie down this week. Thursday morning, I woke up with a fever. I don't quite know what my body was fighting. I've never quite gone through something like this before, but for the rest of that day, it continued to rise. It got around 104. I could not get up. Nobody wanted me up. Nobody wanted me around. So I was exiled to the TV room in our house. That's where the unclean go. Now, I know the phrase, right? Those who don't take Sabbath, Sabbath will be forced upon them. I know that phrase. I had to lie down this week. Are there ways that we're pushing it in this life where he makes us lie down? It's actually a kindness of God to do that. You know, it, it reminds me that this church goes on even when I have to lie down because he's the good shepherd. It reminds me that my family will survive even when I have to lie down because he's their good shepherd. It's not that I'm not necessary. He's what's most necessary in their life. So every once in a while, he just makes me lie down and reminds me that he's good. 
So if I look like I'm floating a little bit this morning, this is the most I've been up in about 72 hours. So bear with me as I get my bearings about me still. He causes us to rest. What does this mean? The Lord revives us in moments when we need strength. The Lord renews us and puts us back on our feet and into, back into the fight, even when we stumble and when we fall. The Lord puts life in proper perspective and helps us see, see things with a God word and eternal perspective. The Lord restores and refreshes us through his presence and his powerful word. Church, through Christ, we are so richly provided for. Amen? I, I, I think about how different it is for those who don't have Christ. Do you ever pause and think about that for a moment? Perhaps friends or family, perhaps even you here today. And I don't point this out in some kind of shaming way, but, but I think that my heart aches for you to have this kind of rich provision for life because I'll be honest, I need it. You need it, friend. This is a provision that you're not going to find anywhere else. You're not going to find it through any type of success in this world, even through the best of relationships in this world. This is something that Christ himself alone can provide for you. And I think about those who don't have the Lord as their shepherd. I think about the believer who so easily forgets about the Lord as their shepherd, and I think my heart just aches for them. I actually came across a poem by Marsha Hornock, and it captures the endless frustration and disappointment that so many experience. It's kind of the antithesis of Psalm 23, so bear with me for just a moment as I, as I read the anti-Psalm 23. The clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me to deep depression. It hounds my soul. It leads me in circle of frenzy for activity's sake. Even though I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it all done. For my ideal is with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. My in-basket overflows. Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. What a frightening picture, isn't it? Here's my assumption. A couple of those lines sit a little too close for home for, some, for all of us sitting in here today. Every time I've read it this week, I just thought, well, that one stands out now. The next day, well, that one stands out now. These are what our hearts are tempted to run to instead of Christ. These are the things that flood our inbox, our text, our news feeds, our communications with one another, our relationships even. The expectations, whether they're ever articulated or not, they can come at us like this overwhelming flood. And we find ourselves thinking, surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. Can I tell you this, church? Christ has so much more for you in this life than that. Let the good shepherd care for you 
in the way that he provides for you. Lastly, verse 3, he provides guidance. He provides in verse 1, nourishment. Verse 2, rest. Verse 3, guidance. Let's look at that verse again. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads. He never drives us. He's not the one that feeds into the mentality of that anti-Psalm 23 He always leads us in the right and proper direction. He leads us by His Holy Spirit. He leads us by His Word, how it is that we are to do the right thing, to think the right thing, to say the right thing, to live the right way. Charles Spurgeon says it this way. He says, when the soul grows sorrowful, he revives it. When it is sinful, he sanctifies it. When it is weak, he strengthens it. How richly our sovereign shepherd provides for us. Let's continue to read Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Here we might summarize this section. If the first section is provision, we might summarize this section as his protection. Our sovereign shepherd protects us. There was a man that I came across the story of that was finding it difficult to describe to his young daughter the death of his wife, her mother. He was having a hard time communicating about it, and one day they were standing on a street corner, And a truck rounded the corner very fast, and it frightened his little girl. So the dad asked her, would you have rather be run over by the truck or its shadow? You see, your mother was only ran over by the shadow. But Jesus took the full truck of death on her behalf. Spurgeon again says it this way, the shadow of a dog cannot bite The shadow of a sword cannot kill. The shadow of death cannot destroy those who believe. Church, we do not need to fear death. No, Jesus took death in full, and he rose victorious over it. We don't need to fear the shadow of death. That is what our sovereign shepherd offers us in terms of protection when we face death we're going to go through deep dark valleys and it's because our shepherd is leading us through those things the dark valley is part of this path of righteousness that's connected to verse three that dark valley that we walk through you may wonder well why is it that a a sovereign shepherd would lead us through a place of danger and death. And here is the very simple and clear answer from Psalm 23, to lead us to a better place. To lead us to a better place. Now two of the instruments that a shepherd uses to lead us and comfort us are the rod and the staff. The rod is an instrument of protection and safety. It guards us and it also disciplines us. The staff is an instrument to comfort us and to provide support. It guides us and it also corrects us. This is how 
in the midst of Death Valley days, we don't have to fear because we have the one that we need. And he is the one who has the resources to lead and guide us to a better and more wonderful place than where we currently stand. You and I have whom we need in the darkest moments of life when we have the Lord Jesus Christ. So he provides when we face death. Verse 5 points to us that he, pro- he provides protection when we face the enemy. You know, enemies may surround us, and yet it is God alone who can sustain us. That says something both to us and to them. Think about enemies surrounding. They're trying to cut off your supply, and yet they cannot cut off our supply because Christ himself is our supply. It communicates something to us. We can be confident that we will lack nothing that there will be no sever to the bond and the union that we have with Christ when we're walking in the paths of righteousness, completely trusting and dependent on our sovereign shepherd. This also says something to our enemies. It's a witness to them. It's a testimony to the favor of God in our lives and his faithfulness to his sheep, his children. See, they would harm us, but God protects us. They would starve us, but God feeds us. And he actually honors us. That's what this is pointing to when he says, he anoints my head with oil. He publicly acknowledges us as honored guests with an ancient ritual of hospitality. Oil mixed with perfume would soothe the skin, give off a sweet fragrance. It would, for actual sheep and shepherding, it actually does away with the gnats and the annoyances of life. It's a mark of friendship and acceptance, a celebration. This is a provision of hospitality for the honored guest. This is echoed in 1 John 2.27 where it says this, But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. But more than that anointing, more than that act of personal intimacy more than that act of hospitality and welcoming in there is more david says my cup overflows our shepherd gives us more than we need in a gracious and lavish display that everyone around us can see the lord's cup never runs empty or even half filled it's always filled to the brim and running over toward you and me our enemies pale in comparison they fade away in the presence of the sovereign shepherd and the good things that he has and does for us. Let's continue to read together. Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a promise of what's to come. So the first three verses point us to his provision. Verses 4 and 5, his protection in death and against our enemies. And verse 6 points us to his promise. A promise of what? A promise of what's to come. And a promise of what we can experience today. You know, for some, Psalm 23 may evoke the image of a funeral. It's been a while since we've preached a sermon on this. So oftentimes where you end up hearing this is in different context. And Psalm 23 certainly can comfort us in the time of death. But reading Psalm 23 reveals to us that it is about life, not death. It's not about dying. It's about living now and forever. 
It's about the life more abundant as described by this sovereign shepherd, Jesus, in John 10.10. He laid down his life that each one who believes in him may have life, eternal life, a God-quality kind of life, a life lived in his presence forever. We can always enjoy his gracious love. Look at the contrast that's painted in this verse. Instead of being pursued by the enemies who surround and try to cut off, what is pursuing us is his goodness and his mercy. Our enemies may sit and angrily watch us feast at a great banquet prepared in our honor, but the loving kindness of our good shepherd is going to be what constantly runs after us. What a stark difference. I don't know about you. I could do without being surrounded by enemies. But I love the idea of being pursued by the goodness and kindness of God. He will always pour out his gracious love on us. We always can benefit from his acceptance as well. We can rest assured that the good shepherd will feed us, lead us, protect us, and provide for us. And on the day when He has used us to the end of his good purposes for his glory on this earth. He will also bring us into his house as a child forever. What greater privilege could be imaginable than to dwell in the house of the Lord forever? You know, the psalm kind of uses two different phrases. It talks about the house of the Lord as a refuge, a place that we run to in times of trouble. But what a beautiful image that it paints when it says that this is a home that we can dwell in forever. There's a stark difference in those two images. Yes, he is a refuge that we can run to. But more than that, he invites us into his home forever. I think there's something that we should notice here about the names of God. There's seven names of God listed throughout the Old Testament. Each one of them is represented in this psalm. It's been a while since I've said these names, so, and I'm just going to blame the cold and the fever if I mess any of them up. If you'd like to get the correct saying, you can ask Eddie Needham. He's shown here as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. We see this name given for God in Genesis 22. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord will heal or restore. We see this name given to him in Exodus 15. He is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. We see this name in Judges 6.24. He is Jehovah Sidniku. This is the one I was worried about. Gazunheit. The Lord our righteousness. This was in Jeremiah 23.6. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. This one is given to him in Ezekiel 48.35. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. This is given to him in Exodus 17.8-15. And Jehovah Ra, the Lord my shepherd. This psalm encapsulates the character of our God, the sovereign shepherd. It encapsulates who he is for us. In other words, Christ Jesus is all that his sheep will ever need. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that to be true for your life and your circumstances that you're facing? The home life that you're going back into this afternoon? The things that you're going to face in those meetings later this week? 
as you're looking forward to the new term starting up on campuses in just around a month? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is all that you need? You see, we all need a shepherd, but sometimes we have to be reminded why it is that we need a shepherd. 1 Peter 2 helps us to provide the answer. It says this, for we like sheep have gone astray. You see, sin confuses truth. It deceives. It makes promises it cannot deliver on. Then Jesus came looking for you. A lost sheep being sought out by a shepherd. And when he finds and rescues you, he does so by laying down his life for you as the good shepherd. In doing so, he rescues you from sin. He rescues you from Satan. He rescues you from death, and he rescues you from hell. I think it's important that we understand he's not rescuing you from one thing or another. No, he's rescuing you from all of those things, from sin, Satan, death, and hell. He's rescued you from yourself. Now you can return to the one the Bible calls the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And what does this shepherd promise for those who are his sheep? Listen to the echoes of Psalm 23 in Revelation 7, 16 and 17, where it says this. They will no longer hunger. They will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them, nor will any scorching heat. For the Lamb, the Lord Jesus, who is at the center of the throne, will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. That's your sovereign shepherd who will receive, who will lead, who will love and care for all who say, the Lord Jesus is my shepherd and in him I have everything that I need. Church, as we prepare our hearts to sing and worship in response to this, can we stand together and recite the 23rd Psalm together. Should be on the screens for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of